Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here, as always, with Brett Jones. Brett, how are you today, sir? Fabulous. Uh, hydrating. Uh, I'm enjoying a little bit of winter sunshine here in the Berg. Um, yeah, life is good. Made a little progress on my training the other day. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good. Finally getting to do that iron cardio with double eight K double eight kilos. So that's a, I think that might be a PR. I was scheduling that for next week. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be double sixes. So we're, we're making some progress. Uh, so today right. we are going to talk about kettlebell training and muscle confusion. And uh, before we uh, move any further, uh, no, we're not actually, we're just going to be talking about some various <laughs> types of programming templates when it comes to kettlebell training. Um, you know, with uh, a lot of the ANA work Pavel's put out there, uh, the on the minute work, the every 30 second work, every 15 second work, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different templates that you can choose. And none of those templates are wrong. It's just what is the adaptation that you're looking for? What is your goal within your training? And that's going to dictate how you should sort of design everything. And, um, you know, I, I think the hard part about um, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is understanding the basic physiology. And, um, I'm the type of individual that, you know, I kind of want to know what's going on, um, at the cellular level and, and be as in depth as possible. And, and at a certain point though, I'll be the first one to admit it. Um, I'll get a little lost. I'll get a little bit confused. And, uh, that's why I look to other people like, uh, Pavel and, and, and Carmen Bott and some of these other individuals that really understand the physiology, uh, way more than I do. But from an application standpoint, I'd like to think that um, I've got a lot of this stuff figured out because, uh, you know, I've been dealing with energy system development and making a bunch of mistakes for, gosh, you know, 10 to 15 years on this stuff, and I'm still learning. So uh, today we're going to talk about various training templates and and uh, a little bit of the science behind it. But at the same time, we're going to give you some practical ways to help you uh, decide sort of what's going to be the best template uh, for you moving forward. And again, that's going to be based off of your goals. So anywho, what are we going to start off with, Brett? Um, let's just, well, let's, let's go really like 50, 50,000 foot view. Let's go beyond the 30,000 foot view. Let's go to the 50,000 foot view. That's pretty high. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's up there. You know, I, I think, um, there's a, a good bit of confusion, <laughs> uh, both muscular and mental, um, about you know some training protocols and and um, so that fifty thousand foot view that I want to talk about is is somewhat more like expectation based. Um, I think that in general, especially you know we can break this down a bunch of different ways. You know, in in the states when you say. GPP, people think you're doing Metcons and conditioning work. Um, you know, if you talk about it from a Russian standpoint, 
um, or an exercise science standpoint, GPP is everything that is outside of special physical preparation, which is only stuff that you would do to get ready for your sport. Um, it would be a thrower throwing would be a uh, an SPP uh, sort of, uh, you know, different uh, throwing drills would be SPP related. Everything else, whether it's flexibility, mobility, muscular strength, muscular endurance, uh, power, um, metabolic conditioning, blah, 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 but put everything in the bucket that, you know, GPP. And so, you know, the, the most common things we see are these Metcons that became a very popular term, uh, metabolic conditioning. And, um, you know, it, I think it's led to, um, a bunch of confusion and, uh, people not really knowing why they're doing something and then having this expectation that if they're going to do something, that's a Metcon or conditioning related, well, it's got to suck. Um, it's, gonna, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be awful, right? It's, it's going to, yeah, it's going to suck. It's going to burn. It's going to, you know, it's, it's a potential kind of, uh, puker that, uh, you know, that you get into. Um, and if you're not going, you know, high intensity and you know, it's funny, I was, I was rereading, uh, the strong endurance manual. Cause I'll be assisting Pavel as a chat moderator this weekend. And, um, you know, there's, there's a line in there, uh, looking at, um, you know, interval training um, should in itself uh, indicate high intensity. So high intensity interval training is actually just kind of a marketing kind of, kind of uh, buzz uh, clickbait term, similar to kettlebells and muscle confusion that, uh, you know, uh, just gets people <laughs> you know more interested in, in, in it because it's high intensity. Uh, it's like the walk by a yoga studio that was offering extreme Hatha yoga. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, <laughs> my goats. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so that 50,000 foot view is just what are your expectations? What do you what do you actually think you need to be doing? And then realize that it's probably not that. <laughs> in order in order to get ready and and i think the easiest example is when you talk to somebody like derek toshner who was an ncaa division one uh 400 hurdle uh, champion um like when they when they would go to the track and run sprints if he was running an all-out sprint it was like a sprint every 15 minutes not you know a sprint um, equal to, you know, if, if it, if he was running a 400 meter or let's say he was running 200 meter and, you know, he it was supposed to take you're doing 30 second repeats, 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. Like that's not how any actual legitimate speed athlete or uh, athlete trains. But in the training world, we see a lot of that. Um, and that's where I think a ton of the confusion comes from and the expectations come from. Well, you know what I even think when it comes to, you mentioned intervals, and um, I think people just make up these arbitrary intervals based off of how much they're trying to kick someone's ass. But if you look at a lot of the the, the true sports science, there's a difference between a, a sprint repeat and a sprint interval. And, and that's 100%. one thing people don't understand is, so sprint repeats, the goal of a sprint repeat is to repeat that identical performance over and over again, which means you need a lot more rest because you, you need to recover in between. So when you're doing a bunch of sprint repeats, plan on resting a lot longer than you would think. Because again, the goal is to repeat that, that maximum performance. 
And uh, if you're doing sprint intervals, it's a different conversation because yes, maybe at first you may be able to come fairly close to repeating that, that first bout, but because of the nature of the interval, um, from an energy system standpoint, we're going to see the aerobic system and, and the power of the aerobic system eventually take over because the aerobic system actually will contribute more and more and more as volume increases overall. But with intervals, you're going to, you're going to accumulate a lot more fatigue and you're not going to be able to repeat that same bout over and over again. So that's like one thing right out of the gate is, you know, when we're talking about intervals, like people ask me like, well, what interval should I use for this? I'm like, I, I, I gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta, I'm a big fan of giving people metrics and ideas and ratios, but at the end of the day, um, those intervals and ratios need to fall in line with physiology and how the body works. And I don't want to say that there's, uh, you know, these sort of these, like, don't, don't think of energy system development as light switches as on and off. And, and this is something that Devin McConnell really, really, uh, great sports scientist and a great strength coach who works in the NHL. And I, I love this analogy. He says they're dimmer switches. Um, they're all kicking in, but depending on what adaptation you're looking for, you're going to turn up that dimmer switch and you're going to, you're going to put together and formulate a work to rest ratio that is going to hopefully allow for that specific adaptation. So when you take off, it's not like, Oh, only the alactic system is kicking in or only the lactic or only the aerobic again, based off of how long you're doing things, your intensity, et cetera, that's going to dictate what fuel you use when it comes to energy system development. So they're not light switches. It's not like you finish one and it's gone. And then the next one kicks. It's not like a multi-stage rocket. That's a nice way to think of it. But in actuality, all of those things are, are, are turning on sort of simultaneously, but the dimmer switch and how you lay out the program is going to dictate the adaptation that you're looking for. Well, and I'm going to take one slight little jaunt to the left as I am apt to do, because I remember talking to you about this quite a while ago. Um, when you start into some of these training protocols and, you know, I, I know, you know, your ebook is now available, um, you know, building the engine using a, an air air bike protocol um, that has some actual testing in it and actually kind of shows you where you're going. Well, if you're, if you're new to the air bike or you're new to cycling, well, there's a local muscular endurance sort of aspect to overcome uh, first. So your first time through that eight-week protocol might not be exactly dialed in because you're you're just getting past the local muscular endurance standpoint. Mm -hmm. So when we when we talk energy systems and we go all the way back down the rabbit hole, we're talking about mitochondrial and cellular respiration and how your body is producing energy and getting rid of waste products. Um, at the, at, at its most essential level, that is what we're talking about. And from a local muscular level, um, that can significantly impact your results on something that you might be thinking is just training my heart or just training this energy system. No, break it back down to that cellular level. Look at that cellular respiration that's occurring at that local muscular and, and fiber perspective. Um, and then you you have a this starting point that says, oh well, I've never cycled before. Well, no wonder my my aerobic power seemed to be so low, um, uh, or my you know alactic capacity seemed to be. And we're going to define those terms here in just a little bit. Um, seems so low because I don't have the local muscular endurance to overcome that first you know cellular respiration barrier. 
Absolutely. And, and uh, here's the beauty about stuff like that. So when I work with a brand new fighter, um, and, and specifically for combat athletes, and, and if I'm being brutally honest, um, most other athletes as well, um, this, this really applies to, um, right away, I actually don't even worry about like in the first month, I really don't even do any sort of, uh, basic testing on maximum aerobic speed and this and that. And here's why, um, 95% of the athletes that I work with, um, have poor, uh, localized muscular endurance, right? Um, I always say the legs go before the lungs. And so even before you're trying to formulate this really beautiful, positive, like awesome, you know, training program, if you have poor muscular endurance throughout your entire system, um, it's just going to take longer to sort of check that box. Now, you know, going back to the, to the ebook that I wrote, right? So I have this, this ebook, like I said, building the engine and it's an eight week program. And here's the beauty of it, right? The first time you do it, the limiting factor will be the legs, the thighs, your legs are going to burn like crazy, but you hit that, right? And then if you redo it one more time, that's where you're going to really see really, really large jumps in your overall sort of aerobic capacity, but it does take a little bit of time. And, and, uh, but the problem is, is like with a lot of this stuff, like if you really want to build up um, localized muscular endurance in your legs and, and even in your upper body, it's kind of repetitive, boring stuff over and over again. Like I'll do a lot of sled pushing and dragging. Um, I'll do a lot of, uh, you know, step ups for time for the lower body. And when it comes to upper body, I'll, I'll formulate some, you know, every 30 second or on the minute work, um, which will help with, uh, sort of the overall, um, muscular endurance. And, uh, there's a smart way to approach it. You don't just do maximal sets, failure and hope it's going to get better. I mean, will you get an adaptation out of that? Absolutely. But you're also going to be sore for five days. So there are a lot of things that you have to get off the table before you have to truly dial in, um, someone's, you know, true conditioning. And, um, you know, a big part of, of, of what I see when, when fighters get gassed out, it's not actually, it's not from a cardiovascular standpoint, it's not the legs and the heart that are having issues. It's actually the muscular endurance standpoint. And, uh, you know, the beauty of, you know, with what we do with kettlebells is, man, when you start training with kettlebells and you build that foundation, you build that base and you start doing a little bit more of that high end, whether it's swing protocols or snatch protocols, your muscular endurance of your upper body goes through the roof. And the beauty of that is you, you take that out of the equation, like very rarely in jujitsu do my arms get tired from making grips because I've trained so much with kettlebells that I can just go all day. And I understand how to cycle that tension and relaxation. So it's very, very applicable. But um, there's a lot that goes into designing these programs. And, and you know, you mentioned GPP earlier. Um, one of the reasons why people plateau is they go to specific programs without a base level of general fitness. And they wonder why they're, peak, they're, they're, they're plateauing very, very quickly. It's like because you skipped the GPP line and went right to the SPP line because you thought you were better than that. But physiology is going to say, listen, buddy, yeah, you can make some progress for a while, but you will hit a wall because you haven't you haven't achieved these other sort of lower level GPP goals before entering the world of SPP. So uh, to to capitalize on that thought and bring come come with me. Uh, simple and sinister. Uh, one of the bases that Pavel will will tell you. Uh, for moving into something like Quick and the Dead uh, or moving into some of these other ANA and um, uh, Q&D sort of protocols is hitting simple, being able to achieve simple from simple and sinister. Now, the base for that training is timeless, uh, 10 sets of 10 swings, 
um, for the guys that's working towards the 32 kilo. Um, and achieving timeless simple is a is a first uh, road uh, stop on the road. Um, and then getting to timed simple uh, means that you've peaked through that protocol and you've achieved a, a base level of conditioning uh, and which would give you a lot of local muscular endurance for hips, thighs, grip, shoulders. Um, <clears throat> and so that simple protocol based on timeless training um, will set a lot of base for wherever else you want to go with with your training. Um, you know, I, I had been doing my sort of, you know, iron cardio stuff and, and, uh, retested kind of a 48 kilo one arm swing, um, and was, was pleased with where I was at. You know, I was about 17 minutes to get through kind of a time, timeless 10 sets of 10 with the 48, um, which I thought was decent. Um, especially since I hadn't been really pushing on that. Um, but so there's a reason Pavel says, Hey, before you try to go further into any of these other specialized protocols, achieve time with simple peak and know that you've achieved timed simple, uh, which is 10 sets of 10, uh, one arm swing, switching hands, each set in five minutes, uh, which segues very well into conversations on every, on the minute work, every 30 second mm -hmm. work. Um, and then take a minute rest, do your getups, um, one, one every minute for 10 minutes. Um, so that base answers a lot of those questions and a lot of those things that you were just talking about. Uh, but timeless training, which for, uh, quite honestly was a watershed, like such an impactful moment for me when I finally embraced the timeless strategy and took myself off of the clock. Um, I was one of those guys that everything I did was on the clock. I had a work rest ratio for everything. And then Pavel was like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> do this pass the talk test in between your sets and i'm like but the clock and then i did it and now it is my absolute favorite way to train it honors so many of the things that we're going to start talking about from an energy system standpoint from a conditioning standpoint from a you know a, a setting the base standpoint and so you know the, to your point of local muscular endurance set having that gpp base like Timeless and timed simple goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's almost like doing, you know, before you're getting into like tempo running or sprint intervals or even sprint repeats, show me that you've gone running for a little bit and, and, and accumulated a base. Show me that you can jog before we can sprint. And it's built in. But the, the problem is, is that, um, you know, I think there's a couple issues and, 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 and these are definitely in quotes. You can't see this. But, you know, I think with simple, people think that, uh, I'm sorry, not with some, but with anything timeless, they think, well, I need, I need a, I need sets and reps. I need guidelines. Right. And, and for a lot of people, they, they want everything spelled out for them, but here's the beauty of, of something like timeless. So you get to know yourself too, right? You get to know yourself with any, without any, you know, I mean, of course you can use a heart rate monitor and you could talk about heart rate variability, but I think there's something to be said about, you know, putting the timers away, putting all the monitors away and just, training and seeing how you respond and seeing how you feel within that training session and then making you know just just paying attention and being more aware of how your body um, responds to everything whether it's you know training whether it's food whether it's hydration whether it's sleep i think um it's important to 
eliminate distractions and, and, and see how you feel and see how your body responds. Because there's something to be said about knowing yourself and knowing, uh, you know, knowing when to, uh, to, to push it a little bit and when to back off. And I would rather discover that through, you know, sets and reps and trial and error than using a bunch of technology, because I find that at a certain point, at least for me, too much technology becomes distracting. And then I get, I get tied to the the technology and I got to do this. And, and, uh, for me, I just, I don't necessarily love the, the rigid, rigid guidelines because life happens and, you know, there aren't too many people that can come in day in and day out and, and hit everything perfectly the way that we wrote it, because, uh, that's just not the real world. And, you know, we're not, we're not locked in uh, to a training facility where everybody's monitoring our workouts, our sleep, our hydration, our food, you name it. Uh, that's not happening. So we have to be a little bit more intuitive. And, um, you know, I think seeing how your body responds to load volume, your own programming, who would have thought maybe you should actually try what you do, um, I think is going to give you some great insight on how to actually become a better uh, programmer and coach. Because if you haven't done it, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't truly know what it feels like. And you don't truly know the intricacies of that hard, hard training you know, template that you put together, because in my opinion, you have to just, you have to kind of step in the fire a little bit. hundred percent. Let's define some terms. Um, we already talked about timeless for, for a moment. I do want to drill down on that just a little bit more um, specifically and got into a bit of an email exchange with Pavel about this, because um, for me, the feeling of applying timeless within something like iron cardio is different than the feeling of applying uh, timeless within swings. Um, yes. So, and, and oddly enough, my timing is almost the same, but the feeling of what it, what it feels like to be recovered for the next set feels very different. Mm -hmm. um, so timeless is not starting your next set until you can pass the talk test. And we get a lot of questions on that. And passing the talk test means you can speak in short sentences without having to gasp for breath during the sentence, which means I would be able to say what I just said, those last two or three sentences with that one breath kind of in the middle there, I would be able to do that before I started my next set. Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting there going, I can speak in short sentences. No, you're not. You're, uh, you're, you're like a creeper on the, on the phone. You're, you're doing your heavy breathing and trying to talk during it. Uh, <laughs> passing the talk test means I can speak in short sentences and I can repeat that. Doing what I just did would mean, okay, you're ready for your next set. Um, so that's what timeless means. That is a strategy that you can apply um, to uh, a lot of different things, but it applies super well to swings and snatches, um, jerks, um, things of that nature. And being able to pass the talk test is a really good metric. You know, runners have said for a long time, like if you're going to go do your easy runs, you should be able to have a conversation with the person next to you uh, while you're knocking off your easy run, five miles, whatever it is. Um I, I drive five miles. I don't, uh, I don't run five miles. Uh, and even in the, in the climbing community, don't climb faster or hiking in the climbing community, don't climb or hike faster than you can talk. So if you lose the ability to carry on a conversation, you are probably at some sort of anaerobic uh, threshold and you're starting to 
work differently uh, with that activity. So that's timeless. We've mentioned a couple of things here, and I know when you get into the book, you talk about aerobic power, alactic power, alactic capacity, aerobic capacity. Let's let's lay some definitions down on that. Um, so I'm only asking for you know uh, probably a exercise phys 201 uh, in the uh, next, I don't even in the next I don't five minutes. I, I don't think I could. I don't even think I could do a 101. Um, <laughs> but I will do my best. Um, so. You want me to start with a lactic and we can kind of go from yeah. there. Let's just go energy system and let's talk yeah. power and capacity within each of those. So we'll talk about aerobic last, but let's talk about a lactic uh, and, and within a lactic, I generally look at as we've got a power template and a capacity template, and it's the same thing with the glycolytic system. It's a power and then it's a capacity, but it's a continuum. So generally, if you are sort of working on your work to rest ratio in which your work time is going to increase, when your work time increases, that's going to generally sort of change the adaptation and the template that you're looking for. So generally, you know, we start with a lactic power and then we, and, and we're going to just, you know, we're going to work on this for a while. And then like with my athletes, with my fighters, you know, if we start off with a lactic power, but eventually we need to go to capacity because um, that's just a general sort of continuum. And then it goes after a lactic capacity, we go to glycolytic power, then we go to glycolytic capacity. And then generally anything over 45 seconds is uh, the main contributor at that point is going to be the aerobic system. But when we talk about um, a lactic power and we're talking about a true power template, this is, you know, think of anything eight seconds or under maximum effort with full recovery. And I'm just talking a full power template. This is what we're talking about, like a sprinter. If you're working with a sprinter, right? And they're gonna go and they're gonna run a hundred, right? And it's 10 seconds. I'm just throwing a number out there. They're gonna have to rest several minutes before their next bout, five, six, seven minutes. And generally speaking, the longer the bout, the longer the recovery, the shorter the bout, the shorter the recovery. So if you're looking at tr truly creating an lactic uh, power template, you're looking at like a max effort sprint, um, you know, a max effort sort of hang clean or power clean rather, um, jump squats, anything that is going to rely on maximum power, but for a short duration of time with full recovery. And when you do that template, I would say if we're looking at the continuum and, and let's just say that a lactic power is to the left side of the continuum, I mean, that is your true power and speed sports. We're talking, I would put Olympic lifting and sprinting on that left side because that is where you need an all out bout of high, high intensity with full, full recovery. So um, where is that useful? That's useful for sprinters. That's useful for speed development. Um, that's useful for, for power, but it's, that's pretty much it. It's not good for other energy systems, right? Where we're really just trying to say, look, if you're trying to get as fast as possible, you're going to run super fast for under eight or nine seconds. And then you're going to rest for five to six minutes and do four five, six reps. And you're going to be done. But it's also one of the most neurologically taxing type of training that you can do. But again, you have to know what that maximum effort feels like. And to get to maximum effort takes a bunch of GPP and a bunch of training. Because if you have poor technique or you're weak, you're never actually um, getting to the point where you're uh, being able to truly take advantage of the neurological component of things. So um, there's a lot that goes into it, but um, it's an awesome way to train. But most athletes, like field and court athletes, you know, we're talking basketball, soccer, football, the alactic power template is probably going to be used in the very, very off season, right? And, and because we have 
we can take advantage of that time. Um, I love uh, one of the quotes from Charlie Francis. And he always says, you've got eight seconds of free energy. And, and he's referring to uh, ATP, right? Within about eight seconds or so, you've got that free energy just kind of floating around and then boom, you use it. And then, you know, anybody can do anything for eight seconds, but at a certain point, then it becomes uh, something else depending on, um, depending on what adaptation that you're looking for. So we go beyond this uh, this eight second max effort, and uh, now we start talking a lactic capacity. And there's a lot of sports that a lactic capacity is a key to success because most sports are burst, then low level activity, and then burst, and then low level activity. And so your ability to repeat that a lactic effort. Uh, the efficiency of your body to get rid of waste products, to replenish that ATP and be ready for the next burst is where we start talking a lactic capacity, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, but that's why I say it's a continuum, because I think if you look at sort of the, the guidelines and a lot of the, the textbooks, they give you like, it needs to be this and it needs to be this. But I like to, when I'm writing programs, I literally do things second by second. So if you look at a lot of the, um, you know, a lactic power templates, a lot of people say it's seven seconds. Some people say it's eight seconds. Some people say it's up to 10 seconds. I don't care <laughs> because I'm going to train the continuum. I'm not going to go, well, it's seven seconds, but now the research says that 15 seconds is where my lactic capacity template should really, or my lactic capacity interval should start. I'm like, no, just, just build it, you know, but just follow the rules of physiology. You know, if you're doing a lactic power, cool. If you're doing seven second sprints, right? Um, and you're resting for five minutes, well, look at, look at some of the uh, templates based off of physiology and say, well, shoot, now if I'm, doing, um, if I'm doing seven seconds, but I want it to turn into a little bit more of a capacity template, now I can bring my, my recovery time down. And I could do my recovery of 40, 50 seconds. I mean, the, the, the sort of, if you look at a lot of the research on a lactic capacity, the rest time can range anywhere from 20 seconds, to like 90 seconds. So it just depends on, again, the adaptation that you're trying to do, but don't skip your steps. And I, and honestly, if you look at Pavel's ANA work, it's really a very, very smart, a lactic capacity based template that'll allow you to accrue volume over time. And that's the beauty of it. And that, that difference between the alactic power templates where you're doing that eight to 10 second max effort and having really full recovery versus alactic capacity where maybe we're doing five to 10 seconds of, of work, but with 50 seconds to a minute, minute and a half mm -hmm. of rest, uh, we're able to repeat that. And mm -hmm. when you, you know, Pavel's laid out kind of the strong first stop signs and, you know, a decrease in tempo, a decrease in technique, you know, not uh, a variety of, of stop signs. Um, you can also put some heart rate metrics to this, that if you start to exceed 170, uh, so typically 170 or so heart rate, um, you're, you're headed into a range where there's not a lot of positive adaptations. And, and that has to do with how the heart functions totally different podcast uh, that we'll get to at another yeah. time. <laughs> but uh, so we're talking about when we go to a lactic capacity, we're talking about something that can be repeated for 30 to 40, sometimes upwards of 50, 60 minutes, depending upon the person that you're trying to, to train. So, you know, contrast that with a lactic power where you're doing, you know, that high intensity sprint with four or five minutes recovery now you're doing a high level effort for five to 10 seconds, but now we're repeating. We have the ability to repeat it without a loss in tempo, without a loss in speed, without a loss in quality 
for 30 to 40 minutes. There's a really different thing going on there. Yeah, and, and I think one of the, the reasons why a lot of people will sort of poo-poo on Pavel's take on the A&A stuff is because it doesn't really follow the traditional physiological guidelines that we've read about. And, and here's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that what Pavel's saying is wrong at all. I actually think it's right. But if you look at a true alactic capacity template, like what a lot of the science, it's 10 to 15 seconds of work. And again, depending on what you're trying to do, you could have anywhere from 20 to 90 seconds of recovery, right? But if you look at... Um, and, and if you look at the sets and reps, the total volume, right? A lot of these, these templates are saying, you know, get to the point where you could do, you know, 10 to 12, uh, 10 to 12 um, reps, if you will. But then you break seven, eight minutes and then do another 10 to 12 and break and then do another 10 to 12. Now, get, that gets us up to 36 total sets. But that's using a, a different set of templates and guidelines. You know, if you look at a lot of the stuff that pa Pavel's talking about, He's saying, let's do a lot of our ANA work and keep all of the working sets like under seven or eight seconds. And let's have a, let's have a recovery template that's anywhere from five to seven times that work rate. And because the work rate is much shorter, we're not using up that ATP. And we have, we have a little bit in reserve. So if we have eight seconds of free energy and we're doing four or five second sets, well, shoot, we still have some reserve, but we're also going to be able to re replenish that rather quickly based off of, you know, um, kind of how our body recovers and regenerates. So the big thing is, is again, we talk about that 30, 40 sets. Um, if you do five swings uh, every 30 seconds, essentially that's a, a five on 25 off training template because most people can do a swing a second ballpark ish, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but if you look at the way that the, the every 30 second stuff goes or the on the minute stuff goes in the way that things are being explained, it actually follows the physiological guidelines. It's just, we're not expressing, we're not expressing that true 10 to 15 second sort of max effort capacity. Um, capacity, I think is a, maybe not the best word because we're developing capacity through volume, not intensity. And I know I'm kind of going all over the place with this, but um, it's 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 tough to understand. And listen, man, I don't understand it nearly as well as people like, you know, Pavel and everything else, but I've screwed it up a lot. And, uh, <laughs> um, but these are the things that I've done over time and uh, have realized that like, wow, that's the beauty of this stuff, right? Like doing, you know, five, five swings every 30 seconds with a, with a, you know, a medium sized bell with power and speed, man, that's where you can build multiple sets or even on the minute work. So there's, there's beauty in the guidelines and, uh, but it's just a different way to look at it. Sorry if I went on a crazy tangent. No, not, not at all. Um, but if we take this into glycolytic and, and glycolytic is that in between energy system where we're, we're not aerobic enough to have really kicked off Krebs cycle and have an efficient turnover of ATP. We're out of our free energy and the CP system is doing all, all it can to replenish the, the, the one in the middle uh, that fills in the gap um, is important for competition where, where mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to peak for a competition, which is not always the case with, with a variety of individuals and athletes. Um, glycolytic power, glycolytic capacity, where are we going? Uh, well, um, I want people to start thinking about when anytime you hear power, I want you to think about shorter duration. 
and, and it's the same thing goes with, with a lactic, but also lactic. So if we're looking at like a true lactic power template, um, you're looking at anything from, you know, 17, 18 seconds to like 40 seconds ish, as far as your true power template. Um, but, but, but the big thing is, is the rest that you need in between. So again, if your goal is to be really, really powerful, you need to rest so you can be powerful again. So, um, but the hard part about the lactic system is again, we, we talked about repeats and we talked about intervals. The hard part about doing true, uh, sorry, lactic repeats is it's so taxing. It's really, really hard to get a repeat. So you'll actually hear people use the term lactic power or lactic capacity intervals because it's really, really hard to have that same that same sort of uh, performance over and over again because it's so damn taxing. But you should have some basic basic guidelines. But um, you know, I think the big thing is is again when we're looking at lactic power, we need to think. All right, I'm going to just go max effort for you know 20 seconds because we've already we've already used our stored ATP, right? We're past that eight second mark. We're already sort of blown past the a lactic capacity template, and now we're using. Uh, we're using, you know, essentially carbohydrates, uh, you know, you know, glycogen uh, as our main fuel source. And that's what's going to fuel us for upwards of about 45 seconds. And and then we can, um, you know, start to um, do our repeats. But generally speaking, you're going to be doing like a power template anywhere from like, again, 17, 18 seconds to about 40 ish seconds. And your rest is going to be, um, you know, anywhere from two to four minutes. And uh, but you got to keep your volume very, very low because um, that is where you can absolutely trash people. And, and this is why we need to build the continuum, right? So build your power, your alactic power, build your alactic capacity. And then as you work towards your, your lactic capacity or your glycolytic, uh, I'm sorry, as you move towards your lactic power or your glycolytic power, again, because the, the sets are still very, very high intensity, the overall volume is gonna have to be super, super low. And we're talking, you know, when you're doing like true, like, you know, lactic power sets, you may do at first three sets total. That's it. And then like, even with my fighters, I work up to six sets total, but I break it up. So I'm doing three sets. And after they do their first three sets, I have them rest for eight minutes. And then I do another three sets, but I don't, I don't even introduce that right out of the gate because there's no need to, because I want to build that foundation first. So that's, that's one of the ways that you can look at the, you know, the lactic stuff, but the lactic stuff is great every once in a while. Like you want to get a burner, you want to get your ass kicked. But the problem is, is there's also a cost of doing business. Um, and, you know, I think that's where you start to, uh, you know, you hear stuff about, you know, how it impacts mitochondria and, and, and everything else. So um, lactic power, it's important, but not all the time. And it's important for a reason. You need to have a reason to have someone do a max effort 40 second bike sprint with three minutes off and doing that, you know, three times and then resting and then doing it again. That sucks. It totally sucks. And when I hear people say, oh, I'm doing 30, 30 intervals for 10 minutes, I'm like, cool. Anybody can do 30 a little bit faster and 30 a little bit slower. But when you're doing a true lactic power template where you're on that thing going like hell for 30 seconds, it's awful. And if you're, if you're giving your all, it's always going to be awful. But here's what I tell my fighters. You know that awful feeling that you feel when we do those bike sprints? I'd rather have you feel that on the bike than when someone's trying to punch you in the face or try to strangle you. Because I'd rather have you feel that when, when someone's not trying to hurt you. So, um, but there's there's a lot that goes into it, but I'm a big fan of, of, of kind of following that continuum. 
um, lactic capacity? Or is that not something we really need to hammer away at? So again, it's it. Why are you using it? That's my big thing. And and um, here here's the other part too. When you look at the lactic capacity templates out there, and you know a lot of the lactic capacity templates are upwards of two minutes of work. But I think it's a little bit of a. It's not telling the whole story, and here's why. After 45 seconds, your aerobic system is providing a lot of the power. If you don't believe me, watch people run the Boston Marathon and repeat five-minute miles. That is not glycolytic. That is that is some serious aerobic power, um, and those guys are doing it for a couple hours. So um, I think we can see the importance of the power of the aerobic system. But again, um, if you're doing anything high intensity for over about 45 seconds, we start to see that the main contributor – from a, from an energy standpoint is actually the aerobic system because you've already blown through your glycogen. So the main thing we'd be doing from a, a lactic or a glycolytic capacity standpoint is shrinking those rest intervals just a little bit, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily accruing more volume uh, and then switching over to more to our aerobic power to kind of capitalize on everything. Yeah. And, and again, and, and I, the big thing with aerobic power is I think a lot of people think that aerobic power is like, it, they think the aerobic system can't be powerful. They think aerobic is just doop, 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 doop. We're going to do our zone two, you know, we're going to do our talk test. And, and, um, you know, even the, the idea of aerobic power at the beginning of your aerobic power templates, you're using glycogen. So you're still using other energy systems. We talked about the dimmer, right? So um, when we're talking about like, you know, you look at a lot of the work of Dan Baker and maximum aerobic speed, I've been, read a lot of his stuff and, and that guy really knows what he's doing. But um, again, we just have to understand where the fuel comes from and, and how long that fuel is being used for and when the fuel kicks in. Because I think that's a big part of, of really um, uh, understanding how the body works and how the each energy system sort of contributes. Um, because you can't, you're not going to do aerobic power work at a low intensity. You can't, there, you can build your, your overall base and there's nothing wrong with doing, you know, two to three hours of zone two a week, which is fantastic. But if you're an athlete looking to build your tank at a certain point, you just can't keep on going and doing the same thing over and over again. We get to build the power of the aerobic system. And then that's when you can get into testing and doing, you know, repeats. And, and that's what um, my, my book building the engine is really all about inspired by a lot of the work of Dan Baker and just a lot of my own stuff. So, um, it's it's well, it's fun some, stuff. Something, yeah, something you touched on that I I want to I want to talk about for just just real quick before it leaves my adult brain. Um, it's it's deployment. Yes. Um, the a lactic system deploys within milliseconds of mm -hmm. you starting to do something. Then there's a signal that says, "Hey, we're starting to run out of ATP. Fill in the gap with the lactate glycolytic or lactate uh, system." And all the while, the slow chug and engine of, and it's only slow in reference to the other two systems. Yeah. The aerobic system started the same time the alactic system did. It just takes it a so much longer to get deployed and to reach yeah. a point where it's actually contributing to the, the whole situation. That's why we see the differences in these protocols. And that's why we can say with reasonable certainty that we're starting to target uh, some of these areas. Now, the the aerobic system, depending on how trained you are and some genetic factors, you could be one minute till you've got really good aerobic system deployment. You could be three minutes. Give me give me a deconditioned person. We're 
we're going to be three minutes into it before we really think we've really cranked over and deployed the aerobic system fully. So um, that's kind of uh, why we're talking about those dimmer switches and, and why we can say we're targeting some of these different adaptations. Yet in the background is always the, the quote, slow chugging engine of the aerobic system. It's like a train that's getting up to speed. Then once you've got it up to speed, good luck stopping it. Absolutely. And, and I think the one thing to, to think about when it comes to energy system development in general is um, the systems aren't in silos. It's not, they, they don't turn on individually. The, like I said, think of the dimmer switch, right? And, um, you know, this stuff takes a little bit of time to, to really understand. And, and uh, but when you really have spent the time designing templates and, and finding ways to, um, to nail this down, um, it's going to make a huge impact on your ability to, to make decisions. But um, I think, you know, learning from people that have done this and have, 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 when I say failed, I mean, I've failed doing this. I've, I've, you know, pushed people too hard and done too much, but I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to learn after, you know, training fighters for almost 11 years now. Um, but it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, I, I think it really boils down to, um, you know, just understanding how the body works and understanding the role of uh, GPP and, and SPP. And if you even look at, um, uh, you know, a lot of the research on um, uh, what is it? Residual, tra residual of training modalities, right? We talk about, you know, how long each individual can hold on to specific qualities. Well, just remember, those are for trained, highly trained athletes. We're not saying, you know, that... <laughs> the average mom or dad working a 40 hour week job is going to be able to maintain their strength for a month without doing a damn thing like that, that it does not work that way. And same thing with, uh, with their aerobic conditioning, because if you look at the residuals of training modalities, you'll see that the research says you can hang on to strength and you can hang on to your aerobic base for about a month and, and it shouldn't go anywhere, but that's based off of trained individuals to begin with, not Joe, that's, uh, you know, just coming off the street going, I don't have to lift because it's going to be sticking around for a month. It, it doesn't really work that way. But, um, but at the same time, what does that tell you? If those are the two, if those are the two training qualities that will stick around the longest, we should probably do those first. And that means lifting weights and doing aerobic work. If you do those for a while, you're going to be able to build a really good foundation and then you can get into the fun stuff. Shocker. Um, <laughs> It, it's interesting and, and, you know, very popular protocols right now, once we get past the timeless stuff um, on the minute, every 30 seconds. Um, I love doing five to six reps, top of the minute, feeling like I'm well recovered for the next set and getting, you know, 20, 30 or more minutes of that work in. Mm -hmm. I love doing every 30 second work where, um, you know, I'll do what I'll do with a lot of people is start them at three reps every 30 seconds when they can do that for about 20 minutes we go to four reps every 30 seconds we cut the time back down to about 15 minutes and then we work up again until we can do that for 30 uh, cut go, go to five reps every 30 seconds cut it to 15 minutes and see if we can get back to 30 sometimes that that's kind of a breaking point where they'll start to get into those can't pass the talk test, tempo slows down, you know, quality goes down, sort of, sort of things. But by the time we've, uh, we've run that, yep. I was just, no, no, no. I was just going to, we'll go back to it. Cause I, I had a good thought and it was, but I'm going to let you go. Cause I would just want to, uh, I want to write a note. Cause I, uh, something that you said just made me think of something. So sorry about it. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no worries. Um, I think the, um, but by, by the time we've run that, 
um, a, it's time for something else. <laughs> that's that's kind of the metric that I use to go. Okay, well now we you know we ran that for a little while. Now let's go on the minute, and let's let's run that for a little bit. Um, and so I tend to really a lot of my students just toggle in between on the minute and every thirty second work as ways to uh, keep the training fresh, uh, but get a little bit different adaptation for periods of time, and then shift. And, and change. Um, so, you know, th that's how I apply kind of on the minute and every 30 second work. Um, uh, and right now I don't have anybody competing, so I don't run a lot of peaking, you know, programs and stuff like that. And I think like the strong first level one getting ready for the snatch test. I think the biggest change that I, that I will make to that article and to that uh, prep program is I would be doing timeless snatches for weeks uh prior to trying to peak for the snatch test so instead of starting that, that on the minute protocol that i have in there for weeks ahead of time i would be training timeless and get to the point where i can do my 10 sets of 10 in under 10 minutes and then begin the on the minute sort of peaking program that's going to be kind of that glycolytic peak because the five minute snatch test is a glycolytic suck fest um, and so, you know, that's, uh, my thoughts on some of the current training protocols. What was your epiphany? No, I was just saying, uh, I love the way that you explained your, um, your thought process on the th every 30 seconds. And, and I think I want people to, to really kind of listen to what Brett said, because what he was talking about is, is pretty ingenious. And I do the same thing is, so again, he's starting people three repetitions, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brett three repetitions every 30 seconds. And he's yeah. going to increase his volume till he gets to a certain point. And what was the number? Did you say ballpark, Brett? How many? Uh, generally how many... generally start people around 15 minutes, progress okay. up, upwards of 30 minutes. And every time I make a rep increase, drop back down to the 15 minutes. Exactly. And, and that's the beauty of it. It's not, everything isn't always increasing. So what he's doing is he is, he is, he's covering and increasing overall training volume first and then once we've hit a certain type of volume, the density changes. So you have to kind of kind of restart again because the density changes, which means the adaptation is going to change. And then you rebuild and rinse and repeat. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of it. So, you know, I love the fact that you're giving people, you know, those little, I mean, that piece of information is something that people don't think of because I think what people are going to do is they're going to go, I made it to three reps, you know, uh, every 30 seconds for 30 minutes. Now I'm going to go to four reps every 30 seconds. And all of a sudden, you know, they're absolutely smoked. Um, well, and you can even stagger it further where now we alternate minutes of three reps every 30 seconds, the next minute th four reps every 30 seconds. And now we layer the progression even more uh, with within that. And again, drop back down to 15 minutes, build up to 30. Now we go to where we're trying to do four reps every 30 seconds for that 15 minutes. So you, you can layer that. Um, it's like a parfait. You can put as many layers in as you want. Some people don't understand that reference, but um, there's some great you, movies that mention parfait. You know what has hear it. You know what has theirs? Parfaits. Everybody loves parfaits. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Um, but it's, it's funny. You mentioned the snatch test. And uh, I, wrote, I wrote an article a long time ago called, uh, it's like a solid plan for acing the snatch test. But one of the things that I say up front is before you do this, 
make sure that you can do a hundred snatches with a 24 between eight and 10 minutes before you start this protocol. So again, what am I doing? I'm saying, just show me some, show me that you've got a foundation before you try to peak. Um, and uh, I'm actually, uh, yeah, that was the name of it. And I'm trying to think when I wrote this, I don't know, it was a long time ago, but I've had, uh, I don't know, a lot of people run through the snatch test protocol and, and pass because of it. Um, but again, it's just, what did I do? I checked the base and, and I said, listen, before you even start with this peaking protocol, show me that you can do the reps. And, and I guess we could have called it timeless, but I wanted to give someone, you know, you could say, if you do a, if you do a hundred reps in 25 minutes, you can't, you can't start this test. Like you can't start this peaking program because you haven't even shown me that you have the, the basic density to do so. So, I mean, the basic sort of overall uh, conditioning to do so. And that's why I said at the beginning of uh, the workout, uh, before you do this, show me that you can hit a hundred beforehand and then boom. And, and again, what that's doing is just saying, show me you've done a little bit of GPP work and spent some time with the bell before you actually go ahead and do this protocol. And, and let's be honest, like, you know, we know that the five minute snatch test is a glycolytic event. We know this, but there's also, you know, something to be said about, Hey, you know, if, if, if you've spent some time with the, the kettlebell and you have decent technique, you should be able to do a snatch test. And in my opinion, if you can't do the snatch test, you didn't prepare properly. And I'm not saying that that to crap on anyone, but the, it's there for a reason. It's not there to just look what I did, right? It's there to, because look, if you can do the snatch test, you've spent time with the bell. You've applied, you've, you've, you've <laughs> done your work. Um, exactly. I, I, to, to, uh, come around and maybe put a bow on this. Um, I, I, we covered a lot. <laughs> we talked, talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, I would definitely recommend picking up, picking up Mike's book, um, building the engine, um, and just, you know, taking a look at that. Thankfully I do not have an air bike, so I am unable to, uh, enter into, uh, that, that protocol, um, but other people will, will get lots of mileage out of it and, and enjoy that. Um, I think that, um, I, you know, I look at somebody like myself and, and people will ask me, well, what's your goal? Like, what do you, I, I don't have one. My, my goal is to train. Like I, um, I don't have a goal. Um, I want to feel good. Uh, I want to get stronger. want to train. Um, I'm the worst example of the person, but you know, I'm an intuitive trainee. I, I have my, I have my things laid out. Some of my people I work with have more specific goals. Um, but cycling through timeless, uh, occasionally doing a timed event that will push you and, and give you a little bit of a glycolytic push, uh, does help the system. It's a little hormesis. It's a little getting comfortable being uncomfortable uh, so that you kind of clear out the system a little bit. But going from timeless, having the occasional test, um, the, the occasional push, getting into the ANA style uh, work, working towards the every 30 second work, and then understanding what a glycolytic peak can be. Um, God, you, you have a lifetime of training ahead of you. Cause you, can, <laughs> you really do. And, and you, uh, you can rinse and repeat from those things uh, for the rest of your life. And, and honestly, that's kind of what like professional, like athletes and Olympians do like, and here's the reality of it. People, the fitter you get, the harder it's going to be to become more fit. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> and, and, and I tell my guys, like, you know, I get them through their first camp and, and um, you know, Oh, that was, that was hard. And I said, well, yeah, I said, but, you know, the good thing is, is we now I've had you for three months. And when we start our second camp, we're already starting off at a different spot. But in order to move that needle, it's going to be harder. And, and that's just the reality of it. And uh, 
Um, that's when you have to understand programming and nuance and load and, and, and physiology. And, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's, it's the seal saying, right. The only easy day was yesterday. Exactly. Um, no. Unfortunately, once you're, once you're in that rinse and you, you, you get, it's going to be easier than the peak. <laughs> so yeah. you, you do get to step down, but it's a step above where you started the last time. And so yep. now you're going to be working harder and harder. I'm always disappointed when I get in better shape because I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll get on my elliptical and I'll be like, oh, you know, I'll start chugging away. And I'm like, yeah, this this program for this intensity, for this level, that's what got me to my zone two. And da, 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 da. and then I'm not in zone two within the time frame that I think I should get into my zone two work. And then I'm like, damn it, I've gotten better. <laughs> So now I've got to pick up the RPMs or I've got to, you know, bump the level up a notch or, you know, something like that. Um, so I, I I think like even quick in the dead uh, style, uh, the 044 sort of protocol, you know, I I came up with a metric that if I'm at a particular weight and I can do that, that interval series within three minute interval uh, or three minute repeat instead of a four minute repeat, I'm at the wrong weight. Like I, I, it's now too light for me to to do it. And like I said, I'm disappointed every time because now it's like I got I just leveled up. So now I gotta I gotta own that and and work with it. Don't worry, we're disappointed in you as well, Brett. Story of my <laughs> life. My life is a cautionary tale. Anywho, well, Brett, <laughs> um, it's been a fun one today. I didn't know where this was gonna go, and we uh, we, we we talked about physiology a little bit, and. Uh, I'm sure I'll get a an email from someone saying that I'm a moron and and here's a cool thing. I just put it in the trash and I don't even read it. So that's fine. Um anyways, I, we, um uh, it's amazing. I, I love anyway, that's another anyways, podcast for the future. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How to delete your inbox. No. Um <laughs> well listen, Brett, as always, uh it's been fun. I uh, appreciate you, buddy. Good to good to have a, another good chat. Um for those of you that have listened, we appreciate it. If you could do us a huge favor and give us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.